0: What will life be like for the Dallas Cowboys without running back Ezekiel Elliott? All that and more in this episode of the Locked On Cowboys Podcast.
1: You are Locked On Cowboys, your locked daily
0: Dallas Cowboys on. podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast locked Network, your locked team locked every lock day.
1: Lock locked On. Lock locked On. Lock locked on. on Cowboys. Locked On Cowboys.
0: Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit fanDuel.com slash lockdown today to get started. I am your host, Marcus Mosher. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher. Joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Landon, today we are answering uh, some Twitter questions. The first Twitter question comes from Mark. He wants to know, how big of a change to this offense is it going to be not having
1: Ezekiel Elliott on the field for the first time in seven years? I mean I think it's going to be a change. I mean we, we you know obviously Tony Pollard comes back and, and he's going to be the focus of the run game uh for for this season and 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 you know that was kind of the case for for probably the last 3 quarters of the season last year too is that he he became the focus of the of the run game um you know Zeke took on a uh, still a very heavy carry load uh for kind of a secondary back I mean in fact still the, probably the majority of the load Uh, Despite kind of not necessarily being um, deployed as the primary back, if that's the best way to put it, Um, but I do think that you know having Zeke and and his very balanced skill set. I mean, look, you know, say what you want about the guy. I mean, he didn't have a ton of weakness to his game. I mean, the weakness, the the weakest part of his game probably was producing as as a running back in in yardage. I mean, at at times. Well, I mean,
0: especially early in his career, like the first three years of his career, he was almost. I don't want to say perfect running back, but he had it all, right? Like that's yeah.
1: that was the appeal of Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, and then as the natural, you know, kind of progression of a running back, you know, took took a toll on his body. uh Parts of his game suffered, but the, but the thing that you know that's going to count for us as far as what the Cowboys are going to miss this year is the ability to put Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott out there and have him be able to do whatever you need him to do. Yeah. You know, I, you're not necessarily going to have. Uh, the same level of confidence for your other running back to be on the field and being able to execute every single assignment uh, at at, a, at at least a, a positive level. I think with Zeke, uh, you know whether it was pass protection or just catching a dump off or whatever it was, y- you felt like there was at least a a, a nice floor there. Uh, and look, I mean, part of that is what we what you buy into. You want to have a, a, a more opportunity for more explosives there. Um, but I do think that there was value. And you know, look, how many times do you remember seeing Zeke, even at his, you know, even when he was injured, you know, take a loss on a run play? It just yeah, doesn't. It didn't often. happen very often. So, uh, you know, not having that kind of nice floor in several aspects of the of what the running back does, I, I think that will be noticeable.
0: we've been talking about this for a while. I think it was time for the Cowboys to move on from Ezekiel, because that's just the natural course that happens with some of these running backs. Like once you have so many carries and touches on your body, it's time to move on. However, there are going to be times where like it's third and nine and there's a linebacker screaming downhill on a blitz. Like I love Tony Pollard. I don't know if I always trust him to make that block or Let's say it's not Tony Pollard. Let's say it's Malik Davis or Ronald Jones or somebody else. That was the value of Zeke. On top of that, Zeke was really good at finishing games. Like, man, it's third and two, and you got to get a first down to to keep the clock going. You know that he's at least going to go forward, and you know he's not going to fumble. It's not that I don't think the the running backs on this team can do it, especially Tony Pollard. I know he can do it. It's just the rest of those guys, like, you kind of have to – with Tony Pollard replacing Zeke, you kind of have to find somebody to replace Tony Pollard, and that's going to be the hard part. Like, who is going to be the other guy that you trust in a big game to make five or six plays to help you seal the game? I th- don't know.
1: This was, is this was the kind of thing that you know. I, I think I was trying to express to folks even the last few years is that, look, you may not like what he's being paid. You may not like the, the role that he's serving in this offense or the way that the offensive coordinator is deploying him or using him – too much or too little to your liking, but it was good to have Ezekiel Elliott on the team. You know, oh, it was yeah, good, yeah. Yes. good to have him in that locker he, room. As for a the most back. part,
0: he was a net positive, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think that that's something that, that gets lost in these conversations. We, we, you know, the media wants to bury him because he's being paid too much or whatever it is. And, 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 and all the points that a lot of times we I make mean, you, are, are not you wrong. You can just say me. You don't have to just oh, say well, me. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. I, I, I think even you've made it very clear where this line is, right? And and that you don't you don't you just generally you know have a feeling about running backs at a certain age, you know that you don't want to pay them and, and that you don't think they're worth investing in. That's still different than thinking, you know, Zeke Elliott is a bum because he's being overpaid or because the Cowboys are running him too much when he's not producing. Like that's that's not Zeke's fault. And and the thing that our you know Zeke's doing, the thing that he Zeke does have control over uh he does very well and he does you know as a good teammate so i, I think all those things that people overlooked while they were upset and, and again rightfully so i'm not i'm not yeah. you know, going against that the the things that made people upset about his contract his usage all those things uh, are overshadowed the things that we're going to yeah. miss when he's not here
0: it, i want to say that i'm excited for tony pollard to be in a lead role i think it's time actually i think it's a little past time i kind of thought yeah. last year should have been yeah. the year that he should have been the guy my my issue and my kind of concern going into the season is last year you had two competent running backs. I thought you had a Pro Bowl caliber one. You did. Tony Pollard made the Pro Bowl last year. And a very, very do it, solid do-it-all running back. I don't know who that other guy is that they're going to yeah. pair with Tony Pollard. I think they're hoping it's Malik Davis. It certainly hasn't been Ronald Jones of the last couple of years. It's a lot to ask Deuce Vaughn, who is a late-day three pick. That is the thing I'm concerned the most about, kind of moving on with Ezekiel. It doesn't mean that they should bring back Zeke, because I think he's kind of past that point anymore. But who else is going to be that guy that you can just rely on game in and game out to give you solid C-plus production? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think think they're going to try up front to see if they can do this by committee with the guys that they have in-house, right? Can they cobble together a a running back to – between Vaughn, Lupke, Davis, maybe um, Dowdle or, you know, or, or a combination of those guys. Right. Um, and then if that doesn't work, you know, there's the free agent market, you know, we're, we'll see what Ronald Jones can do. And I would also camp. say
0: trades like, listen, yeah. if you're going to make a, if you're going to make a trade for a running back and you just want to give up like a, like, like a late day three pick, you can get a really solid player. Yeah. Like Philadelphia got was a DeAndre Swift for a fourth round, like two yeah. years from now. Mm-hmm. I can guarantee you, when we get to August or September, even October, like if you want to get somebody that's pretty proven on a cheap deal, you can get that guy for a fifth round
1: pick, no problem at all. <laughs> if Dalvin Cook ends up signing with Miami, they're going to have entirely too many running backs, from what I understand. Yeah. So, I mean, like you, you might be able, be able to get, get Raheem Mostert guy. for like yeah. just
0: the seventh round pick.
1: Exactly. I mean, there's look, we've said it over and over again. It feels like we've been saying it a lot lately. There is always opportunity to get practically starter level talent at the running back position, no matter what day of the calendar it is. That's the one position where you could dip in and dip out of the free agent market and find what you need uh, probably without any much, very much trouble.
0: All right, Lynn, let's talk about what the Cowboys plan on doing with their two pro bowl cornerbacks next. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing and there is no better place to get into the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now new customers get a no sweat for, for no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to fanduelcom on to join today. You can also go bet on some football futures. Uh, We've got UFC fights coming up. We've got boxing. We've got golf. Tons of stuff to bet on. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. We are answering your Twitter questions, Landon. Let's get to this next one. So it's a really good one about the Cowboys' defensive backs. This one from at three hundred machine. He wants to know how are the Cowboys going to line up Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore. Is one going to cover each side? Or are they going to follow specific receivers?
1: I think they're going to mix it up. You know, I think the, the the one of the beautiful things about getting a guy like Gilmore is that you have the ability to kind of mix it up a little bit more. Um, you know, I think that there'll be certain situations where they go into games and they'll have either Gilmore or Diggs covering specific receivers and following them around. I think there may be times when they play kind of more one side or the other and they just play it straight up. Um, I, I think you know, having a guy that uh, is so experienced and has come through so many different systems and can kind of move around uh, you know opposite of what your kind of younger guy is more comfortable with. Uh, I think that that gives you a lot of flexibility and, 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 you know, look, we'll see Gilmore do stuff like cover tight ends. I bet. I, I I mean, I think there's going to be opportunities for Gilmore to kind of move around a little bit. And maybe, maybe that makes, you know, uh, Diggs kind of help him if he wants to stay in place a little bit, unless he's following guys around. So um, I, I think that Gilmore has a little bit more versatility than Diggs does as far as where you want to kind of deploy him. I just don't think you want Diggs to play in the slot. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just not, it's certainly not like as a full-time situation. No. That's just not, he needs a sideline. He's he's good with it. He likes having the the border there to kind of act as a second, another defender. So um, yeah, I think that's the the kind of brilliant thing about getting a guy that, that has versatility is that if you have someone that maybe isn't as comfortable being versatile or moving around, uh, now you can let him do best, do what he does best and that's playing outside.
0: I, I think in an ideal world, they keep Diggs and Gilmore on their own sides and they can just focus on, you know, the footwork and the technique on that side. However, I think, I think you're right. Like it's going to probably be matchup dependent. Like I think if you get a real speedster, I don't know if you want Diggs necessarily playing that guy one-on-one in man coverage, but I would also say what makes them unique. And what makes this Cowboys defense really good is that they can move around and their third corner, Deron Bland, has ability to play in the slot and the outside. So if you do want to move Gilmore into the slot, you can easily slide Bland to the outside. It's no big deal. That kind of versatility is going to be just huge for Dan Quinn.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's the key thing there is that, you know, the rest of your defense and specifically your secondary is so versatile. They're going to be moving around a little bit to kind of fit into, you know, game plan specific ideas that Dan Quinn has. So that means that your, your, your corner room is going to need to be kind of some something similar as well. But I do think that more so than maybe almost any other position on the defense, I would not be shocked to see them kind of, keeping digs in the kind of outside boundary corner role. And if they're going to move folks around or at least kind of do a matchup thing, it seems to make more sense to Gilmore who has, I think a little bit more experience doing that, uh, getting those opportunities. I, I do think that there'll be times when digs will yeah. be like, Hey, here's a matchup I want to take. I'll follow this guy around the field. That'll happen for sure. But I, I do think that uh, if they had their druthers and everyone's doing what they are do, what they do best, I yep. would think you're going to see more digs outside and more Gilmore kind of moving around to be the, the moving kind of target situation. I'm trying
0: yeah. to think who the best receiver they play this year is, right? Like, do they they play the AFC East and the NFC West? So, I mean, I guess there's a I lot mean, of Ty- Kupacock, Ayuk
1: is really good at this point. I think Debo, that that's, Ta- yeah, Ty- Debo. because
0: basically the, the question I want to get to you is. The old Bill Belichick model of defense is like, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to put our number two corner on your best receiver and double him, leave our number one corner on your number two receiver, basically take him out of the game. Let's just, They don't play Justin Jefferson this year, I, I don't believe. But I don't think so. if that was the, the scenario, who do you think would be more likely to kind of be that guy to cover Jefferson and get a little safety help and then have the other guy basically be one-on-one with Who's it,
1: Jordan Addison now? You know, I think, and, and, and this is an excellent thought, but I, I think the thing is, is that you would, uh, because you have two of these guys now, I kind of think you could mix it up. You know, I think, I think that's what, and that's what you should do is, is I give I think that's a, the answer, a, right? Yeah. You don't want, you don't want books. the guy to get
0: one feel of, hey, yeah. I, I know everything about digs. So I'm going to beat him that way.
1: Now, in in a kind of vacuum situation, I would say that it would be Diggs would be the guy that I would like to have the cloud coverage for behind because then that allowed Diggs to play right up in the guy's face and get physical at the line of scrimmage. And if he gets beat deep, he's got safety help, and that allows Gilmore to kind of – take it completely erase whatever wide receiver two situation you have but i, I do think there is value in mixing it up and, and kind of giving that receiver different guys of the line of scrimmage to have to think about each match up. i'll be
0: curious to see like if teams just try to avoid digs and gilmore as much as possible but basically just trying to put those your best receiver in the slot and hey we know deron billion had a great year but let's let's force that guy to cover Cooper cup or Justin Jefferson or Tyreek Hill or whatever. Don't you think that's probably how offensive coordinators are going to try to attack Dallas?
1: Yeah. But I also think that that's kind of what the defense is trying to funnel the, all the, inf- everything, all in everything the middle, into. Right? Yeah. Is that you're trying to funnel it inside where you have fast linebackers and safeties that can hit and tackle. Um, I, I do think that, look, there is probably hay to be made in the middle of this uh, pass defense more than there is on the outside and deep. Um, But I also think that, again, it's, it's, it goes back to what the mentality of this defense, this isn't, you know, cover two is defenses are is a misnomer at this point because, you know, cover two is just one coverage that they run. But the idea of making the offense repeat small precision passing game to slowly march down the field that fits into the idea of funneling all these passes to the middle of the field. Hey, Okay, if you want to make you want to do this over and over again, we're gonna make your we're gonna make your wide receivers and make your tight ends catch ball in traffic while our safeties and linebackers are coming down on them. Yeah, it may be our opening, but it's it's gonna it, we're gonna open you up while we hit you with. with and the, by the, the way, you
0: team. have a six foot five linebacker in Leighton Van Der Esch. You have a six foot four safety in Javon Kerr's. Yeah, with it's length, right? You have a guy who might be playing more in the slot this year than like Izzy Makamu yeah. just to give you some more size. So, hey, Tough you windows, are going to – That's all the whole point. Is. You're, yeah. You have to give something on a defense. Mm-hmm. It's just the, the nature of a defense. It, we're going to at least make you throw the ball into tight windows if you are going to avoid Diggs and Gilmore on the outside. I mean, it's, everything's setting up for Dallas to have a really good defense this yeah. year as long as they can stay healthy.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, getting the, the, the center of that defensive line uh, kind of solidified was sort of the last piece for this defense. Yeah. And, yeah. and and I think that that's why, you know, some teams kind of looking at the draft th- through a vacuum kind of misread just how valuable that pick is for the Cowboys yep. uh, to get a kind of physical presence uh, that it could potentially, you know, add some pass pass rush there, too. That That's the piece that this defense was missing. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Sure. All right, Landon, let's. uh. Talk about a potential surprise cut on
0: offense. All that more in this episode of Locked On Cowboys Podcast. All right, we are back with one final question. This one from Cooper. His question is Who is going to be the surprise skill player on offense left off the 53 man roster? So he listed a bunch of names. And I think he's right. There's probably going to be at least one, two, maybe even three of these players that don't make the 53-man roster. Let's go through his names. It's mm-hmm. Ronald Jones, Malik Davis, Semifahoko, Fahoko, Jalen Tolbert, Kevante Turpin, Peyton Hendershot,
1: and Sean McEwen. Okay, well, I think we got to start with – Potentially, kind of weaning the list off a little bit because there are a couple guys in there that I wouldn't call surprise cuts if they got cut. Let's, let's do
0: running backs. It's Ronald Jones and Malik well, Davis. I don't I think, think
1: both those guys make the roster. Yeah, and honestly, um, uh, uh, even though I like Malik Davis and I and I and I think that he probably will make the team, uh, I don't know that it would be a surprise if he got cut. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think I think, he's I think an people under- are
0: expecting him to be the RB two, but I don't think I don't think anybody would be like. Really upset. I don't think we would have... Yeah. Who was that running back? the Cowboys drafted in 2016 that everybody got upset about that we cut? Oh, Jackson? Uh, uh, yeah. Darius Darius Jackson? Darius Jackson.
1: Darius Jackson, that's right. Yeah. The, the it the wouldn't famous. be that kind of ruage. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it was his seventh round pick. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, think, I think both of those guys are potential cuts, uh, being Jones and uh, yep. Davis. Uh, and I don't know that either one of them would be a surprise. Uh, I guess the one guy that kind of pops up simply because he had accolades pressed to his name, but I don't think his spot is safe by any stretch of the imagination, uh, would be Kevante Turpin. That's, that was the name that I circled, right? I I think if, you know, someone like Moreno Cooper has like a really good, or is it Cropper? Cropper. Cropper. Yeah. Moreno Cropper Cropper. had had like a really good training camp and he showed you that he was a decent return guy as well. And, And I think that's the other thing here that, 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 you know, we're attacking this from who's the surprise cut. Like it's a negative against this player. When in reality, what more is more likely to have happened in this situation is that some player beneath these guys that we are not considering blew up at training camp. Right. So that's really the more likely indicator of which one of these guys is going to be the surprise cut. But I, but I, I would say Turpin is the one that kind of when you first mentioned, kind of I, I yeah. circled simply because there's a lot of competition at the position he doesn't have a spot that is, you know, despite being a pro bowler bowl bowl last year and, and, and putting some decent numbers up, he didn't see any touchdowns. You didn't see a, a lot of the huge plays that we, that we, and there was a couple of really
0: bad plays, right? That yeah. I think that's the thing. He had a really nice return in the 49ers game that gave them awesome field position late in that game. Yeah. But there was also some times where he muffed the kick that kind of flips
1: some games and that kind of stuff i think was the game and, that he and that's his only job like that's the yeah. problem i think yeah. is that his only job is a returner which you know okay that's great he, he seems like he could be a great returner but we're gonna have to see that because ultimately the room's getting too crowded there's a lot of guys we like here we we can do we can cobble together a return game if we have to well
0: that, not only that but like that Position has just been devalued this year yeah. because of the rule changes, because the right? Rule because changes now you well. can just fair catch the ball at any point and you get it at the 25 yard line. I can put Deuce Vaughn out there, I can put Jalen Tolbert out there to catch a kick. Like that's
1: if that's the only goal, I can yeah. do that, yeah. And and again, unless you're if you're not if the whole point is to have you as a returner and you're not actually putting, I understand it's pro bowl, but I mean, that's. That doesn't mean anything to me as a returner necessarily. Like, But if you're not producing a ton, then it's really tough to justify your 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 position at, on the, the game day yeah. roster as only a return guy. I, 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 w- I will
0: say this, though. I would kind of looking at the roster the other day. I mean, there's just not a lot of options for punt returners on this team. Like the, your backup returner is Jordan Lewis, who we talked about like his spot might not be safe on the yeah. roster. And he's coming off a – so a Liz Frank injury? His returning days might just be over. So you look at the roster right now, like who else even has, you know, experience, like who else on this team
1: has one career pump return? Oh, well, I, uh, I mean, career, I, 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 you see guys in practice who are practicing it, but it's true. Like Well, I Zach mean, Martin, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. Of. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it's, it's, it's one of those things where, as you mentioned, the, the position has been devalued a lot. Uh, obviously punt return is still a position that you know that you can still make plays and that you know there is playmation we had i think obviously that's that position is is the one specifically that 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 is why he's on the team right, right, right. yes um but uh, so if they had to in and and the in the choices you know uh you know lose lose two or three yards per per return or keep a guy that we really like and and we think that we've got a good combination of four or five receivers who actually can get on the field and we think can do something, I I, I wonder where they would go simply because, oh. as you mentioned, the margins for his position were already thin. And then they just yeah. got thinner with the idea of the changes that they made in the specific uh, what if it's goals.
0: What if it's not like Turpin versus Fahoku? What if it's yeah. Turpin versus Junior Fahoku or mm. – you know, Dante Fowler on defense. Yeah. Like Fowler's just a better player than Cavante Turpin is, and you can find ways to get Fowler on the field. That's where Turpin is going to have a little bit more of a challenge this year, making the roster. And the final two names that he mentioned, Peyton Hendershot, Sean McEwen. McEwen's contract is actually quite a bit more than Peyton Hendershot because I think he's going into year three or year yeah. four now. Yeah. And that's just the way these contracts work for undrafted free agents. Hendershot's ahead of him on the depth chart. I think Hendershot would have to have a really bad training camp in order to not make the roster over Sean McEwen.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that it, it, Hendershot would have will have had to take a step back to to be anything less than wide receiver three, and certainly beneath McEwen. McEwen again, yep. yeah, McEwen. Oh yeah, sorry, tied to three. McEwen again. I don't think I like Sean McEwen a lot. We've talked about it on, on here. Okay, he's sure. he's your favorite cowboy of all time. Uh, I think I think that I think that he would not be a surprise cut. You know what I'm saying? Like, and no. again. I, I talk about the situation that actually would play out, not necessarily that McEwen played bad, but what if Princeton Fant comes in and plays really yeah. well? And yeah. then you've also got Hunter Lepke also playing very well. And then suddenly you're like, do I need a, a McEwen here? Because I can cobble together everything he did with these two yeah. younger players who are probably cost about as much as, as McEwen does you know, combined. So uh, I think that that would not be surprising. I, I think you know the way we talk about guys like Sean McEwen, we'd hate to lose him, but – Uh, I do think that the economics of the position are such that it wouldn't be shocking. Uh, But I will say this, you know, we just had a podcast the other day talking about how the Cowboys were paying less at the tight end position than almost any other team in the NFL. And so maybe, you know, that's their way of saying, well, we can afford a guy like Sean McEwen, who frankly plays a lot of special teams, yep. does provide the only veteran presence well, that you have in the, in the room, you know. So. This,
0: it would be shocking to me. So they, they, I guess that counts as a surprise. But I have, if if McEwen is just better on special teams and you decide you only want to keep three tight ends because you want to keep Hunter Lepke, who maybe function as a fullback, as an H-back, I guess I could see it. But again, I think there would have to be a lot that would happen. I think McEwen would have to have to get a lot better than what we saw from him over the last couple of years, and Hendershot would need to take a major step backwards.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I, say that unless they plan on taking bringing four, you know, tight ends to the game day roster, yeah, uh, you know, McEwan's spot is is not all but assured. I, yeah. I think it's, it it could he could certainly lose it if if some of these young guys even show out a little bit. All right, that is it for today's show. We want to thank you for making On Cowboys your first listen every
0: day. On tomorrow's show, we're going to be talking about some of the uh, the offensive tackles for the Cowboys as we continue our season preview, so make sure you tune in for that. We just want to let you know that we are free and available on all platforms. Go check out our show on YouTube. Go follow Landon on Twitter, at McCoolBCB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosher, and we'll see you next time.